walked through the front door and here was a group of guys who were sat around they're involved in the business of what I didn't know at the time was going to be the thing that was going to be for the rest of my life. I knew if I didn't do it then that, I, that he wouldn't see me having made that move and also that life was incredibly short and here I was faced with something that was so obvious that life was you know finite and you there wasn't there was never going to be a perfect moment. and this check turned up uh, and that was for the money uh, I'd spent quite a bit of the money on getting the team together to, to kind of do the piece of work uh, and so my business partner took it to the bank and they were like yeah this is an American check it's going to take 60 days to clear and I can still remember that absolutely like oh my god we have not got 60 days here it was very early on we set our three values at Koto which are uncompromising positivity I think if you're in the service of others doesn't matter which bit of the service industry you're in I think it surprised the whole thing you have to come in every day with a positive mind state it's just cadence which is about trying to find the cadence with those that you're working around whether that's an external person like a client or whether that's internally it is a team game and we all have to all have to be on the pitch and play together it's relentless hustle you know and I think hustle culture gets some negativity at times but for me I think it is relentless humans are about being together and ultimately our work is about connecting people to ideas making them believe in those ideas and then using those ideas to drive change the high points for me are where we've managed to wrangle the chaos into meaningful moments and so there's some classic stuff like the moment we won coca-cola as a client the lesson i got out of that one was like work can come from anywhere like you should always be just like don't think about your network as something that you're growing with an outcome it might just keep on making connections because they will they will drive things but i think for me i always have to live with one foot in presence and one foot in tomorrow because the foot in tomorrow drives me not to be overly comfortable in the present i think it's about trying to find you know have calm but also be active try and make sure that you're going after it and attacking it but that isn't your mode 24 7 be reflective be curious stand back i believe everyone has a story to tell through seeking true authentic insights about the entrepreneurial journey i provide a platform for our peers to share their stories and inspire those that listen this is the County Business Talks podcast, produced by H2 Productions. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? You okay? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Fe- feeling all right? Yeah, not not too bad. Um, uh, yeah, you know, nice and early, but get up and attack the day, right? Mate, oh man, mate, I'm really grateful for you jumping on. The, the voice is still going. I've got six, six hours to go and it's still there, mate, still there. Just about, just about. We're, we're quoting through. Mate, really great we're jumping on this. I'm gonna, we're going to jump straight in. So um, welcome, obviously, James Greenfield, CEO and founder of Koto. Mate, tell listeners a little bit about your story and your, your career. Wow, what a, what a place to start. So... Um... <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so I'm CEO of a um, <clears throat> branding company, which has got uh, four studios, one in London, one in Los Angeles, one in Berlin, and our latest one in New York, um, it's a team of about 100 people, um, and we work with quite a lot of the world's biggest brands, uh, and then also some brands that want to be the world's biggest brands uh, to help them come to life and uh, kind of tell their story to the world, I guess, um, and, and how I got there has been... Uh, I wouldn't say it's been a straight line. I've, uh, you know, there's been kind of many things along the way. And when you sent me these questions before this, I thought, 
where do you start with something like that? And um, I kind of asked my wife and she was like, come on, I've heard you tell that story a hundred times. So uh, <laughs> maybe I do know it better than, better than I uh, don't. But I think it all rolls back to one moment in time for me, which was I was a teenager at school and like a lot of teenagers wondering a bit kind of like what the future held. Um, and uh, I had to go and do some work experience. And rather than just doing any old thing, I was quite keen to try and find something I was interested in in life. And I remember at the time, my mum knew someone that worked in a local design agency and I got sent there. And I think it's fair to say that that's where my career started, walked through the front door. And here was a group of guys who were sat around involved in the business of what I didn't know at the time was going to be the thing that was going to be for the rest of my life. Which was, I, you know, I don't think when you're at school, anyone knows that that's a thing that you can work in. Everyone's always channeled towards a certain subject or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, that I spent, I set, I spent the summer there that opened me up. And then since then I've been lucky enough to go on, work with a lot of, uh, work with a lot of amazing people who've taken me on my journey to, to where I am today. Yeah, amazing. Cause I, me- I remember when we first sort of met, you, you said you were sort of one of the lucky ones that from that early age, from quite a young age, that you've, you found something that you loved. And, and and you followed that dream and that's where that's where we're sort of taking you and i i think i know like talking about obviously you you, you work had a long career like work, working in, in different various different agencies in sort of london and stuff but what what was the sort of inspiration then to start uh start your own business in 2014. it's a funny thing because i think you know since a teenager, I'd always held an ambition to work for myself. And I don't think I'd ever really been able to pin down where that came from. It wasn't like I had someone in my, my network or my, or my family who was a business owner, you know, mm. neither of my parents had jobs where they worked for themselves. There wasn't someone that I looked at and said, I'd like to be like that. But I always felt for whatever reason, it was something that I wanted to do. And, you know, sometimes I look back on that and I, and I think, was that about self-determination? Sometimes I look back on that and think, was that about like, you know, the want for wealth i don't know you know there's all these things that you can kind of attribute it to um but i think it just i just felt like it was something that was driving inside me and but at the same time i was i was also always super aware that i didn't want to go too early and uh, there was more to learn and i've always been really curious about stuff and so i've always consumed a lot of things and so i was in this position where for a few years i was like should i shan't i should i shan't you know and there was always reasons not to like you know there's you know economic challenges back in the kind of late 2000s or, you know, there was new media emerging or there was new platforms that I didn't really understand. And so I was always trying to like fill my knowledge gaps and try and get better at stuff. But unfortunately, the thing that really drove me in the end was that my dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And for me, it's such a such an obvious thing, but I knew if I didn't do it then that, I, that he wouldn't see me having made that move. And also that life was incredibly short. And here I was faced with something that was so obvious that life was you know finite and you there wasn't there wasn't ever going to be a perfect moment you weren't going to know everything you weren't going to have mastered all that stuff and at that moment in time I was sat in a good senior job I had a good salary you know like I was traveling I was working in really amazing clients you know I was doing a lot of work in California at that time and I had to kind of realize that I was going to give all of that up <laughs> completely get rid of my salary overnight and all of the comforts of life and put myself into a challenging position but here was like the most driving force which which made complete sense for me to do that and and you know I do sometimes think if that hadn't happened 
would I have done it? Would I have ever like made that leap or would have I always found the excuse? But, but here was something that kind of forced me into that situation. So as much as that was obviously a kind of terribly sad and kind of traumatic period in my life, it was also the most life-changing period of my life because I essentially decided to, to kind of finally after, at that point, I think I'd been working for like 15 years in an area and, and you know, I knew I could do it. I'd been doing it for other people and working for them, but, but that was the thing that really spurred me and pushed me on to do that. It's amazing to, uh, listening to you. Thanks for sharing that, mate, I guess. And, and look, I guess for me, taking something like that traumatic, you know, the negative thing that's happened to you, but actually taking that, that moment and going, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use all that that negative or traumatic experience to to go on and, and strive to do. That's that's your motivation to go on and strive and and succeed. And and, and certainly what a success you've made of it. And and I always knew we'd we'd obviously spoke many times previously to you. Oh, like you said, first I think the first time I met you, thinking to myself you're always going to run your own business. It was always going to be a matter of time. And we'd spoke about, and like you said, you was working on some amazing projects prior to obviously starting your business thing. Um, with, with, um, with some huge stuff going, like you said, always over in California and, and doing some ama- amazing stuff with some big agencies. So you sort of think, oh, I've got a huge shallow in that, that comfort zone, I suppose, that you, you, you're sort of in. And But like you say, taking that, that traumatic thing and then actually I, I, I knew when you took that jump that it was only going to, well, wouldn't take you too long. And, and you certainly proved me right, mate. I, know, I knew I was right. I know these things. <laughs> but, uh, mate, it was, um, and it's been, it's been amazing to see, like, the growth and, and, and achievement you, you've got over the last, you know, what, seven years now, isn't it? You, you've been running. Go to, is that, yeah, going on eight this Christmas, yeah. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. So, talk to me then, uh, obviously starting this you, you've gone in well, i'm going to start going on my own um and obviously having the confidence to go and, and grow that but and, it, and it's grown phenomenally but talk to me about some of the some of the challenges over the over the last seven years of running that and well i guess where does the global pandemic i have to ask everyone that because it's so really like whatever industry it affects every business isn't it so i'm sure you didn't have that in the business plan like a, a risk assessment for a global pandemic <laughs> No, I think, you know, the challenge is totally changed, you know, month by month as you run a business. Like at first it's about survival. At first it's like, you know, we have a finite amount of money. We need to go out there and make things happen. We need to get customers. We need to make connections. We need to make some really big decisions about who we're going to employ and why they're right. You know, you need to work out the, your, you know, the, the cost that you're willing to put out in the world, the things that you're willing to kind of, I guess, risk on. Um, I was really glad that I did it with business partners. I think I probably underestimated that before I went into this process. And I think, you know, one of the things I really feel for for people is I do a bit of mentoring at the moment. And one of the guys I'm working with is he's trying to find a business partner at the moment. And he's realized a little way into his journey that, you know, having a business partner would, would make his business exponentially easier for him. And so I think there's certain things that I completely underestimated from a challenge point of view. And in some cases, I just got lucky because I, I decided you know, maybe in a in a way that I look back on now and think you maybe didn't give that as much attention as you probably should have to do that. So I think the first challenge I had was, you know, the, the idea of being on my own, but I wasn't as lucky. I decided to to have two business partners, and I think that's been a that's been a real saving grace. 
beyond that, I think, you know, we had some difficult challenges up front. There were some ethical decisions. There were some companies that came to want, that want to work with us when we, we had very little who wasn't necessarily comfortable working with and, and saying no to that money was really tough. And when I look, look back on that, I'm, I'm glad I did. But at the same time, I'm also like, wow, that's uh, that was a, a bit of a moment. Um, and then beyond that, I think, you know, like well, any new business. No to those bits because you'd set up a business Sorry. with core values that you thought these this is this is the yeah. company and i don't i want think that. i always i always like to you know you, you look at the decisions that other people make it whether they're in your network or whether they're just like in people you're aware of or whatever and you think if you if you go down that path you're probably setting your reputation forever so one of the businesses that came to us very early on was a fur business. I've got no idea how they found us. I got like, like you know, it's, it seemed quite got bizarre to me. We didn't have any work at that moment in time. Me and one of my co-founders, Joey, I can remember we were sat in our very first studio. It didn't have any heating. It was freezing in there. The internet was terrible. And here's some money on the table. And it's just not something I'm comfortable with as an industry. I, I, you know, I, I can't say I know tons about it, but I just decided that I knew it didn't feel right to me. And so at that moment in time, I had to, I had to say no to it. And I look back at it and I'm like, I'm glad, I'm glad we did, because I think if we'd done that piece of work, even if we'd never told anyone around about it, we'd know we did it. Whereas, you know, to this, to this day, there's nothing that we've done that I don't feel anything, but like happy and proud about in terms of the fact that it's, it's been the right decision for us. So challenges like that are really tough. I think, you know, you have other moments where one of the biggest challenges we had was right near the beginning, we were, we managed to land this big hospitality client, which was, which is a really amazing kind of like revenue and creative source for us. And we were doing some interesting work with them and, uh, and it came down to the, the first day that they were going to pay us. And I didn't really know much about America or the way that they pay people. And this check turned up uh, and that was for the money uh, I'd spent quite a bit of the money on getting the team together to, to kind of do the piece of work. Uh, and so my business partner took it to the bank and they were like, yeah, this is an American check. It's going to take 60 days to clear. And I can still remember that absolutely like, oh my God, we have not got 60 days here. Um, and you know, you, you, you don't set up a creative business with a knowledge of the American banking system. It's just, you know, it just didn't, you just not, that's not the kind of thing you deal with. And so there's been those moments like that, that have been real, like, how are we going to do this? Um, and, you know, and I was really lucky in that situation. A really good friend lent me quite a considerable amount of money and completely bailed the whole business out at that moment in time. Um, and, you know, paid, paid him back a, a little bit later and, you know, I'll be forever in his debt for that. But those are the challenges. I think beyond that though, the, the biggest challenge is that you set yourself the goal of wanting to be, I guess, an elite performance. I think, you know, there's, there's a way of talking about it is, you know, in every industry, in every walk of life, there is this kind of elite level. And that's where I always wanted Koto to operate, you know, so it's a bit like the best sports team or, you know, it's a bit like elite special forces or whatever. And to do that, you have to find people of a certain mindset. You have to find people that are willing to constantly reinvent the business of creativity to, to really be able to kind of drive things forward. Otherwise what happens is, there's someone younger, there's someone hungrier, there's someone who's more nimble than you that's just going to, you know, that's going to run your engine, you know, and it's, I find it very easy in the world of business to slip into sports analogies, but you, you have to be fit. You just got to stay fit all the time. And anyway, to do that, especially in a growing business is to add the right people into that. Now that's not me micromanaging and pick every person because that'd be a liar if I said I'd do that. Cause you know, I don't even interview every person anymore because we're too big for that. But, um, 
it's about mindset. It's about trying to find people that fit into this idea of how we perform at our best every day, because, you know, that's the, the industry that we're in is we have got to take people on uncomfortable journeys. And so I think my one biggest challenge is finding creative people who will understand what Koto stands for and how that is going to require something from them for us to continue to be successful. I love that. I love that. And I guess that, that leads on to, because uh, again, I, I talk on a podcast a lot about, a lot about culture and how you create a culture within a company. And I, 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 for, for me, I, I often talk about, you, you, you know me, obviously when, when I to close the salon, it didn't work out. I always talk about, I've got the, you know, I was never a hairdresser, so I found it very difficult as a boss, a leader, whatever it was, to create a culture within within the hairdressing industry that I that area and I couldn't didn't feel like I inspired people. And um, so I find I find I find the subject around culture within a company again. We use sport analogies very similarly. Uh, both Spurs fans, of course, maybe we've got to get that in, and we how could I not put that in on the podcast? But uh, but 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 for me, like culture within a football club within a changing room whatever that looks but did, did you write from that start because what, what what strikes me from from talking to you you had such a clear vision for koto what you wanted from the people even from the companies that you work with but the culture that you obviously wanted to create in that and was that really clear right from the start and and how, how has that changed it has the culture changed over the course of you know across four different offices nearly 100 staff at, how that looked? So yeah, culture has always been massively important to me. I think, you know, I think there's kind of like, there's a number of different component parts, but one is I was lucky enough to work at some other amazing companies and some people got culture amazingly right. And other people got culture in my eyes, you know, it might be right for them, but in my eyes got it wrong. And I think one of the things that I did when I was going on that journey as I kind of worked my way up uh, is that I would always mentally note the things that I thought were successful and the things that weren't successful in terms of like generating successful culture um, companies I aspired to be like, whether I had firsthand or, or secondhand, um, uh, I guess, experience of that. I think one of the things that also is, is a kind of uh, typical thing of the creative industries is that they can be workhouses. The, the creativity excuses uh, the idea that you can work people to the bone, you know, and I think I used to work for somebody years ago who, who got culture massively wrong and he always used to have this thing he used to be like the hardest work we'll do in the week is friday night because everyone else is in the pub and that's your competitive edge and i always used to think that was like the most foolish thing of we're talking about it because what you're essentially doing is robbing the fuel from people that allows them to get up on monday and go to it which is you know whether they choose to spend friday night with their family or their friends or with their colleagues or whatever you know it depends probably where they're at in the life stage but that's the fuel that makes us mean that you know when we get up on a monday morning and attack the week we've had that important time that's, that's kind of going to bond us together and so I, I kind of took all that stuff and then i think beyond that as well i always just had like this personal sense of like if i'm going to spend time with people i want to spend time with people i don't want to just be around people i want to like understand them i want to get to know them i want to know their motivations i want to be you know and, and i think it's easy as a, as a boss to be like oh i'm friends with all my staff it's not about like trying to you know tipping in yourself into ricky gervais territory but what it's what it's what it's about is is about understanding people and i think that's why culture comes really important for me because it's like you know we got you've got to and you've got to keep on working that and i think one of the challenges of a scaling business particularly where you know some of the people that work for me sit five thousand nine hundred miles away from me is how you start to kind of like reinvent that and say 
one of the things that, you know, and pandemic's put a bit of a, a boot in this recently, but one of the things we try to do is a global gathering every year where everyone gets together and you spend time with people. So this year we all went to Miami. It was an amazing experience. You know, Miami's a, a pretty incredible place to go as well, but it's in that situation to try and take those moments with other people, but then also let them take moments with each other because what your reality of, of, of kind of create a company where it has such geographic um, kind of footprint is someone who's maybe grown up in the east of Europe and now lives in Berlin has got a very different lived life experience from someone that um, grew up on the west coast of America and, and now lives in LA. You know, there's weather and obvious like differences in terms of those cities and the way those feels, but there's also also a ton of differences in terms of you know history the way they see the world etc etc and you know and as we continue to grow around the world i'm sure that will be even more pronounced and so for me i think culture is about creating connections now that's not to say we always get it right and you know <clears throat> i'm always looking to do things differently and, and for me i think one of the things i spend a reasonable amount of time traveling to the studios uh, and, I, and i'll continue to do that more is trying to think about how you kind of reinvent that culture how you create new moments i think one key thing for us is though we've always every time we've opened the studio tried to send somebody at least even more than one person from one of the other studios so that you're already starting off with this kind of germ of a culture and then you let that culture change and it, it creates its own kind of um its own moments its own monuments its own jokes its own kind of things you know all these things that we use to socially bond ourselves together and so for me i think that is so vital and one of the things we did on that front was very early on we set our three values at koto which are uncompromising positivity i think if you're in the service of others doesn't matter which bit of the service industry you're in i think this applies the whole thing you have to come in every day with a positive mind state because you know there'll be challenges people won't be happy there'll be things that, that need to happen and if you're not uncompromising in that positivity then that'll get you down and people will see your face slip and you know you're you're piss off the people you're serving i think the the second one we've got is just cadence which is about trying to find the cadence with those that you're working around whether that's an external person like a client or whether that's internally and in that situation there the just is all about doing the right thing in that moment as well and understanding that it is a team game and we all have to all have to be on the pitch and play together and then and then the third one there is relentless hustle you know and i think hustle culture gets some negativity at times but for me i think it is relentless you know there is there are days off we have saturday and sunday we never work saturday and sunday we try to stay up on top of our hours but to stay ahead to keep doing that you got to get up every day and kind of like think about what's going to be different how am i going to change this what am i going to do with this and the only way to do that is to to be relentless in that hustle and be really sure and the thing about those values is you know we decided we needed them and i think it was about six months into running the business we just went off-site to to a really nice spot in next to the river near near where we worked in the center of london and we just said right what do we all think our values are and everybody threw it onto the table we worked through it pretty quickly wrote it down went, all went and got a drink and that was that and it was so honest and authentic in that moment and i think i think a lot of companies when they're trying to come up with this stuff try and make it a little too, a bit too clever they try and bake it a bit too much i think most entrepreneurs or most company leaders will have an inherent feeling for what that is you've just got to try and get it out of you now we're lucky we're creative and we can kind of invent that in a way that you know has kind of i guess meaningful difference your skill set, isn't it, i guess that's your, that's your skill set isn't it i guess that's your yeah. skill set extracting that information and, and getting to the core and creating that so, so when when like you said coming up with those three values and 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 that's something i guess then when you because what i was going to ask was in each studio do, do you feel like this 
they're, they're separate because of because of the, geogra the geography of it. There is separate sort of individual cultures there, or, or because they because you've got those three core values that you, you, those two people from that studio that go and start that that company, that 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 studio in another location, they're, they're gonna like you said, they're, they're gonna make sure that those three core values are are imparted to to, to to everyone in there, and that's that 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 culture will, will be the same across the board then. I think it's I think it's work in progress um, in terms of like you know we've scaled quite quickly in recent times, but I think the aim I'd love to get to is it's kind of fifty fifty. Do you know what I mean? It's like fifty percent the same the world over in terms of mind state, in terms of approach. So that if I got two customers and kind of sat them down and said, "What's your experience of Koto like?" There'd be a there'd be a lot of similarity. That's the aim that I would want to get to from a values based point of view. I think the other fifty percent, you know, the way that stuff's delivered. You know, there's no doubt that. You know, if I look at the West Coast of America, they have this kind of inherent sunniness, which I think waking up, waking up in amazing weather every day is going to just imbue in you. You know what I mean? It's a bit harder when you're kind of waking up in, in February in England. Um, but obviously, we would try to aspire to that. But then, I, but then I also think as well, there's like something about the way that we kind of think about, you know, the cultural identifi identification of a country as well and, and what the people from that country are like. So it's about leaving space for both those things. Um, yeah. and, and I'm, I'm really interested in, in how you do that. I think the other challenge is obviously scale. And I think, you know, there's a, a thing that I've been struggling, not struggling, but kind of looking at a lot recently is that the Roman army always fought in the units of a hundred people because they felt beyond a hundred people, stuff started to break down. Now we're at that kind of special moment at the moment. And so you have to be really careful to, like understand your history and the dynamics of teams and people and and how and how they kind of work together to and be aware enough to know that if you get past a certain point things are going to change and so that's something i'm really thinking about at the moment and, and kind of like how we how we deal with the challenges of the, the kind of because it's all about social bonds and those people kind of feeling like they have a connection with each other um and so we we're kind of constantly always reinventing that and and how since like the because I'm, I'm assuming from a creative industry what, what, what's your what's your take on the whole hybrid working uh, how, how are you guys fixed for that because from um, i guess I, I remember speaking to you previously about you know from a creativity point of view having people in the studio everyone there together and bouncing those ideas off is is a lot easier than it is on teams or on zoom or whatever that looks like have, have, are you have you got a hybrid working environment or people do you have people in the studio what's it like yes yeah, it's, it's a really interesting challenge isn't it i think this is a thing where you have to kind of be aware of your own personal preference um but it's also important that you don't ignore your own personal lived experience because that's you know ultimately as a leader of a company what you're looking to to kind of draw on and so quite early on in the kind of pandemic where obviously like everyone else we all got sent home to our homes i think i kind of observed a few things i think the first thing i observed was for the global leadership whether that was someone as a creative leader or or kind of an account leader or whatever it was that zoom life was exhausting it was kind of draining it was you know there's something about being on a camera all day that just leaves you absolutely on the floor afterwards and so in a way i think you know that meant i knew that that was unsustainable for us as a, as a, as a company i think the second thing is we just talked about culture i think culture is really hard on on a, on a video life and it doesn't matter how many people write kind of articles about you know technology is going to release it's from x y or z i can see it with my own eyes i can experience it and i can i can feel it um 
And in that as well, I also, you've also got to acknowledge the fact that, you know, that there's people that work at Koto that are, are 50 and have got kids and live in, you know, live in a nice house and, you know, and their whole, their whole life is kind of like set up as they want versus there's some people who are recent graduates who are, who are kind of like making their first steps in the world, aren't necessarily set up for homeworking, haven't necessarily got everything they need. And, and you, you can see that they're living very different kind of lives and experiences. Now, even if some people maybe prefer the quiet of like thinking time at home and all that stuff, which, you know, I'm always, I'm always super aware of. I think it, we are social people. Humans are about being together. And ultimately our work is about connecting people to ideas, making them believe in those ideas and then using those ideas to drive change. And so from my point of view early on, I was like, we can't live this life in the long term. It doesn't matter for me, the benefits that it has for people. You know, when we're not American, we don't have three hour commutes. We're not living this kind of like, you know, this kind of terrible traffic life that they live. And I think as a country, Britain looks to America quite a lot. Now I've got quite a lot of American uh, team, but we were already set up in a way that, you know, most of them didn't have terrible commutes and stuff and they were living um, you know, a little bit closer to where we worked, et cetera. So early on, we decided to do a four one, which is Monday to Thursday in the studio and then Friday work from home. I'm aware enough to know that I'm not sure everybody loves it. And some people would love a bit more flexibility, but for me, it's about thinking about those factors such as culture, thinking about the fact that we need to make ideas that connect with people. And the only way to do that is spend time with people. And then, and, and then it's also about us understanding that. I think in a way, and this is kind of maybe a bit controversial, but there is a bit of sacrifice about the fact that, you know, if I have to get up and get out the comfort of my home to go and kind of face the challenge of what we're doing with other people, then maybe that's a price that we have to pay. Um, and maybe that is a bit tougher, but, you know, I think it's something we're still working on. We, we, we've, we've gone back to that and it's, it's, it's worked well in the main, but you know, like any business, nothing's ever, never fixed or static. You just got to keep on going. The thing that's interesting for us around COVID was that when it first happened, the whole world just held its breath, particularly on spending on brand and marketing. And so you're like, just trying to work out where this thing's going to go. And then suddenly everyone decided it was a great time to get their house in order. And we've never been busier, which meant this put this amazing strain and challenge on because suddenly you were like trying to manage, you know, a massive, a massive business essentially with quite a big turnover from your spare room upstairs um, whilst the rest of your family life's happening on downstairs. And, you know, and I think for me personally, the thing that I think, you know, and this is a very personal lens on this is I'm a great believer in transition. If you're going from one thing to another, you have to have a transition space from it. So, you know, if I get up in the morning and go for a run, that for me is a transition about me quite often leaving the day before behind and setting myself for the day ahead. And I think, for me, the commute going to work has always been a moment for me to go like, right, I've done family, I'm now going to go and do work and try and be a bit more singular in those modes. And I think the, the trouble with kind of remote work life, if you're a, a parent of young children like I am, is I just feel like you end up doing two things badly because you're always thinking about one or the other rather than allowing yourself to kind of transition and focus on on, on what hopefully you would be focused. Now, that's an aspirational thing. and. You know, I'd be a liar if I didn't say I wasn't sat at home stewing on something that had happened in the day or thinking about something or, or working through it. But you've got to at least attempt that kind of that focus to make sure that you're kind of in the place where you should be at that moment in time. I completely agree. I can't get that completely. I get ultimately, but to, I've, I've, I've mentioned this on on so many episodes throughout throughout the day, really about. Uh, about being present wherever you are, whatever you're doing at that moment in time. And it's something 
I'd love to talk to you about like, like the whole work-life balance thing and what that sort of looks like, especially running a, a, a business to the magnitude that you are um, and, and the pressure that, that comes with, but also with a young family as well. What, how are you at, at switching off? Can, can Do you switch off? Are you, are you able to? Because like you said, that, is it that you're able to go, I'm going to go to work and that's where I am working and when I come home, I can come home and switch off? Yes, <clears throat> super tough. You know, I don't think anyone anyone's got it completely right. I think um, you know, and I'd be a liar if I sat here and said I didn't like prioritise work sometimes, and and kind of like be it, it always be rolling around my head in some way or another. I think the, the 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 hardest thing of the whole thing is having a mobile phone in your pocket, which I always know has got something that I could look at going on at it. You know, and so we're a business that uses Slack for all our internal communications. Yeah. You know, that's quite often 8,000 messages a week on there that I'll have and I'll have read every one. And I know because I've got the stats turned on because I sometimes want to kind of like make myself aware of, of kind of like, you know, what I'm uh, what I'm kind of engaged in on that front. Um, I think the thing that, that I have to always work on really is, you know, so like everyone else in the, in the world, I go through periods where I'm really disciplined at my exercise and I kind of get on with it. And then being a, being a dad as well, I get Ill, Ill all the time because they're absolute germ factories. But <laughs> the, I've, got to, I've got to stick at the discipline of the exercise because that's the one thing that gives me the peace that gets me from uh, kind of those two modes and, and, and kind of keep my sanity in between them, really. Um, also, as well, I'm quite, quite, I read quite a lot as well. And I find that, for whatever reason, is a really good buffer for me to, to help me kind of switch between between those two worlds but yeah it, it's super tough and i don't i don't think that you know there's a one size fits all for it i think i've realized is that you know everyone is completely different and we're all made up completely different and i think you know the, the future of the world will be i think we will have a much greater idea about the uh, breadth and complexity of human psychology in terms of how we are all wired so differently whether that's attention whether that's um our ability to be able to kind of context switch etc you know one thing that's always been lucky for me is you know one of the greatest skills a creative director needs is that they need to have a, this ability to context switch all day because you know when i've uh, in, the, in that past role being like that quite often be working on five or six different projects and you don't have the luxury of like time in between you know you're doing one thing presenting something talking to someone else and you just got to be able to context switch all, all day and so uh, for me, it's been about applying that kind of rigor to my own life, which is try and context switch. And, you know, and so I have a kind of quite a cast iron rule, which yet again, like all things in life, I fail at, which is when I get to the gate at work, I put whatever's been stressing me out about home on the floor and walk in without it. And then when I walk back out of that gate, I put whatever's been stressing me at work and try and put it behind me and, and try and go home. And I have this kind of like portal moment where I, I kind of switch between those two things. Now, like I say, some days, it carries me, follows me onto the train through the front door. And my wife would say that I was uh, kind of, you know, brooding about whatever or kind of, you know, elated about it. But I do at least make that attempt. And I think that's that for me is is the important thing. Like anything in life, you just got to try and make the first step. And that's something, you know, that will be an ongoing journey for a long time, I think. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Mate, you, talk, you talked about some chat. I mean, look, growing a business from, from seven to it been seven years for to a hundred people across four four things. Talk to me about those moments throughout that that journey. Talk to me about some of the highlights. And, and yeah, it's, it's it's really weird because I think you mentioned earlier you mentioned earlier a business plan and and you know 
I'm a believer in planning to a point because like you already said, like things like pandemics happen and you can't make a plan for that. Do you know what I mean? And I think business plans are great for, you know, if you're trying to seek investment or you're trying to set a goal for everyone to aim towards and stuff like that, but you can't plan for reality because reality is chaos. We all know that. Do you know what I mean? Like stuff always gets in the way. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and so for me, I think the, the kind of the high points for me are where we've managed to wrangle the chaos into meaningful moments. And so, there's some classic stuff like the moment we won coca-cola as a client is one of the most ridiculous moments of my career where basically guy i followed on twitter him and i would have interactions and stuff he was doing some work with coca-cola this is like when we were tiny there was a couple of us uh, we didn't really have a ton of work and, and they were coca-cola was struggling on this project this guy said to, to one of the senior people at Coca-Cola, you should try these guys. They've just left this other agency. They're pretty talented. I'm sure they'll be able to like throw some ideas in the ring. And so we got given this little bit of money to work on these emojis for Coca-Cola, which was when um, Coke used to have the names on the cans, which had been super successful for them, but they were looking to replace that. Um, and they said to us, we'd love, we'd love for you to have a quick go at this. Now, the trouble was we got that brief just when we were in the process of, you know, uh, trying to do a lot of other work and we didn't have much time and we definitely couldn't do it the two of us and so we roped in a couple of people that we knew to help us and we just kind of smashed this thing out and at the time I was thinking like you know this is amazing income but I wasn't really thinking necessarily about where it would lead anyway it led to some more work with Coca-Cola and then that kind of built on and, and they ended up becoming a, a landmark client um, and, and it's moments like that where you know Twitter is not something that I ever thought would deliver success to my business. I just find it really interesting. I find the dialogue interesting. I find the, the news, I find the, the kind of conjecture about the world and where we're going really interesting. But I wasn't thinking this is going to be a driver of me getting business that's going to kind of bit fundamentally build my business. And so I think the lesson I got out of that one was like, work can come from anywhere. Like you should always be just like, don't think about your network as something that you're growing with an outcome. It might just keep on making connections because they will, they will drive things and, and take you somewhere else. So that's a big one for me. I think, um, other things involve like, so the first time we won, uh, work in California was pretty amazing for me because suddenly we could take and export our skills to a market that's always, well, not always, but in very recent times been very kind of like open to British design and British design thinking. And so. Another big one, I think opening the two first offices, Berlin and LA, which we decided to open on the, on the same day, which anyone listening, I wouldn't advise that. That's one thing that I definitely got wrong <laughs> along the way. Um, you know, that just, that felt a bit pinch yourself silly because for me as, as someone, the way I kind of keep going is I don't like to believe it until it, it's kind of like well and truly happened. And so for, for quite a few years, I was in denial that Koto would be successful because I, I, I had this horrible feeling that I would just sit back and I wouldn't keep driving it. And, and so in a way I'd always be, you know, I'd be worried about income. I'd be worried about like all these things, which I probably didn't need to worry about. But, but and so for me, opening other studios, I think was a, was a big part of that and, 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 where, and where that would come from. Um, and then you have moments, like I mentioned already about Miami, which is like, suddenly you look around and at that moment in time, there was like, 70 of us sat having a group photo taken in Miami and you think, wow, I'm, I'm responsible for all those people's mortgages and, you know, their kids' education and all that kind of stuff. And they're the moments that you think, you know, so for me in the early days, it was about landing those landmark clients. And, and then I think once we started to get that, then other clients come because obviously they have the confidence. So I'll always be thankful to those early clients where we couldn't show them like we're working with all these people because we weren't, we could, you know, so they, they backed us in, in, in a, in a way. And then I think, beyond that it's been about then kind of like 
getting those key highs in place. But yeah, they're, they're the key moments that always stick out to me when I kind of go back across the story. Um, you, you've, you've got to at some point there, let yourself, you know, stand back and go, okay, this is great. I've made this. And then you have to find your next challenge to kick on because that's what a person I don't really ever bask around success. I don't, I don't find it that's fine. I'm always more focused on what's next, next to get there. Yeah. I love that, but but and that's interesting. But do you do, do, do you allow yourself to, like you say, you mentioned about that time in Miami? Because yeah? again, to talk about enjoying that journey, have you allowed yourself the moments to to actually sit back and go, wow, look what, look, look what I've actually achieved at where where I am right now. Yeah. From when seven years ago, did you? Did you imagine you'd be here seven years down the line with a hundred <coughs> No, I didn't I didn't think it'd be this big, but also that's partly just a self-protection mechanism because I didn't know how successful it would be. And so I always had this idea that, you know, I'd be happy with 12 people. And that was my kind of like, I guess my thing that allowed myself to not get ahead of myself. I was like, I need to get to that. And then when I got to that, I was like, well, we might. Do it. And then, and then, and so I don't ever really sit back on it and go, look at that. Isn't that amazing or whatever I'm, I am genuinely all about like, right, got to keep going now because I'm a great believer in, you know, I think businesses quite often don't realize when they've hit stasis, they think, you know, it's like, any, it's like the sports analogy again, you know, the team's winning, they're doing great. It's good. What they don't realize is a couple of players have dropped and, you know, the manager's taking his eye off the ball slightly and, and the fans can't see it because it's another win and isn't it great but it just starts and then there's all the stuff written afterwards about like oh it was that game when they started to turn or you know and people thought talk about you know and i i've always been inspired by people like you know alex ferguson who's a real like marmite character but for me i'm like the stories about him you know gary neville tells one which is absolutely amazing i think which is you know they, they've won something massive and Gary Neville had forgotten something at the training ground. He goes in the next day and it's 6 a.m. And Alex Ferguson sat in his office thinking about whatever's next, you know, and I'm not going to claim that I am that level because that is just like absolute elite at the, you know, the most amazing level. But for me, I, I think that's, that's something that I take the energy and drive from, which is, you know, and, and in a way, I think the situation I'm in now where I'm not actively working with clients quite so much and I'm not making the things that we kind of uh, kind of sell to the world to me I've become much more focused on on those kind of growth things because I know that growth is about giving space for the people that I've hired to be able to feel like they can continue their career journey with us it's about us being able to deliver more for our clients it's about us being able to expand ourselves in the, in the world and so therefore that's the way I look at it and I think also as well I'm always just worried about um pride of becoming before a fool you know i think i want to try and you know i've got energy still and so i want to keep going and try and stay at the top and i think i know what i'm like i'll, I'll switch off if i uh, if i start to let myself think like that too much and you end up like manchester united aren't now <laughs> yeah no comment mate <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's not gonna happen but look to, before we go into like, the last couple of bits i want to just talk to you. you you work with some of the biggest brands in the world like, so in your opinion, give me some key elements that make an amazing brand. Yeah, it's a really good question. I think, you know, this is something that, you know, the kind of, sort of two extremes of our client base is we work with people like Airbnb and Netflix, which are kind of, you know, household names and, and Coke I've talked about already. Um, and the journey that they're on is different than the journey with a lot of clients we work with, which is their new companies that have got investment who are looking to kind of create brands in all different kind of markets. But I think what ties them all together is there's a few key things that I think every brand needs to do. So I think the first thing is about 
being true to yourself, being authentic. I don't think in the world that we're in where we make brands and write stories and build out websites and products and, and stuff for people is I don't think you can pretend to be someone you're not. I don't really believe in the fake it till you make it thing from a kind of brand point of view, because I think people will, will smell it out straight away. You know, if you don't have the product to back it up or you don't have the customer experience or you don't have the thing that's going to kind of create the joy, then I can't tell that story. And so the first thing we always say to our clients is it has to be true for you to be able to, to kind of like be able to get out there and sell this. And I'm not interested in trying to, you know, kind of make that fake version because also, you know, ultimately it's, it's a road to ruin. You look at what happened with Theranos, they had, you know, a very successful brand, but she didn't have the science and it's got, gone on to be this kind of, you know, horrendous, uh, kind of story about how not to do it in business. And I think at a brand point of view, almost the Theranos brand was almost too good because it made all these very successful people believe in that company when they really shouldn't, because they, they, there was nothing there to believe in. I think the second thing we talk about is distinctiveness. I think, you know, we've never lived in a world where if I think about it through a consumer mindset, my ability to spend my pound note has never been more diversified. I've got the internet to give me all these different services, I've got experiences that you can do either whether as a family or an individual, you know, you can, you can, you can consume the world in a way that you never could before. And so therefore brands have got to accept and understand that. And so distinctiveness is whether that comes across in, you know, your service experience, whether that comes across in the product you're selling, whether that comes in across in, in the way that you've kind of brought this to market is absolutely, uh, is vital. And then the third part that I always think about is compelling, which is you've got to get people into your story. You've got to get them to connect with you, you know, and I think we live in this very media rich world where, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure most people have got like a million TV platforms they can choose from, you know, and, and most of it goes completely ignored, especially in our house, you know, we've got, you know, Disney plus Netflix, you know, all this amazing stuff on there. But if you're not capturing people's attention, if you're not going, you know, kind of connect with this. And, and then we live in this world where I think world of word of mouth has never been more important for companies. You know, me going and telling someone about something like whether that's a great restaurant, whether that's, um, you know, an experience, you know, a new clothing brand, whatever it is, that is compelling. And so as a brand, you've got to set up people to have these kind of these stories, which they can go and tell people within their network, because that's how you're going to create an effect. And that's how you're going to build an audience. And so yeah, they're, they're the three things that I think any brand really needs to engage with um and and it's never too early to be thinking about those as well love that mate i love that and just like you said from from a brand point i've done some stuff with people recently about storytelling and that and the power of storytelling and and the brand encapsulates the story uh, it doesn't and it's listening to all those elements you you mentioned how you how you find that and what how you get to that it's fascinating and mate brilliant hence why you're where you are yeah awesome well look we're coming up last one i just want to before we get into our quick fire questions just tell me what, what does the future hold for james greenfield yeah, this is an interesting question because i think um it's very easy to live in the future and you know we have a lot of conversations out there about um you know people talking about being present and you mentioned it earlier yourself but i think for me i always have to live with one foot in presence and one foot in tomorrow because the foot in tomorrow drives me not to be overly comfortable in the present and so i think you know from our point of view i think i've got some uh unresolved stuff i want to try and get into asia i think that's something that we're you know really interested in we're doing some work there already and i think there's a there's a there's a lot of change happening there and that's a bit of the world that, you know i would love to to look into a little bit more um and then beyond that i think i want to 
work to empower the team that I've put in place that that kind of um, are starting to run the four businesses because I'm now sitting at a global level uh, and, you know, I've got a lot of stuff to do there. And so I think the future at the moment is kind of business continues, but how it continues and where it goes is is a kind of an exciting next chapter. And I'm really interested to see where that goes. And, you know, and whatever happens in the world economy, I think just try and keep 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 going for that and make sure we stay nimble and we keep going so yeah that's that's what the future holds before that and then i don't like to think beyond that because then i suddenly start getting worried about retirement and stuff and uh, i don't feel old enough for that but you know you know better than me mate it's uh it's it's absolutely smashing his in the face isn't it <laughs> worst thing is i'm i'm i'm, I'm looking a lot older than you mate unfortunately and, uh... I had a tough life, I say. I sound, I sound it as well. Anyway, I blame under twenty-four hours. But I, one, just before we do the, the quick fire ones, one more I want to know: do, do you think you're get to a point with the business where you go, "I'm content"? Are you content now, or do, do where you are right this right at this second? Would you go, "I'm content"? Because by by the sound, listening to you, like you said, just by that last analogy, saying I've always got one foot in in tomorrow because. I'm, I'm striving for that. Do you, we, do you feel that you'll ever get to a point where you'll go, that's enough? Whether you sell it, whether you want to exit, whether you, you just go, actually, I'm at this level now, I'll take a step back because I'm at a global level. You think you're up? Yeah, so it's a really, it's a really interesting question because obviously it's the kind of stuff that, that comes to mind. I think, um, you know, there's there's a lot of factors at play there. I think, you know, I, I personally feel like I'm still early in the journey, so I don't really think about like exit or anything like that, just because it's, you know, it, it's 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 not on the horizon. And also as well, because I know what I'm like, if I, <laughs> if I exit, I just sit around at home and soon get pretty bored. And I'm definitely one of those people, I'm a great believer in that we need, that I need a purpose, I need something to get up and make me attack the week and kind of keep going, you know, on that front there. Um, I think, you know, I'll probably, uh, I'll probably think about running a company like the analogy of a great night out, which is you don't want to be the last person sat there at five in the morning, the lights on and everyone else has gone home. You know, you need to know, particularly when you get older, what the right point to exit stage right is. And so maybe I need to start uh, giving some, some, some thought to that and thinking about what that looks like at some point in the future. But right now it's, it's not really, it's not really on my mind to be honest, because I know I know I can do more, you know, and, and the challenge as well is, is that, you know, my whole career I was a creative and, I, and then I became a leader and then I started to learn about leadership and, and built out that. But then leadership of 100 people is very different from kind of leading people that you sit next to. And so I'm going through some challenges there. And I think, oh, I've got a lot of stuff that I want to keep on going out on that way. And I've been reading a lot of stuff about that recently and trying to put that into practice. And so, you know, that is the, that's the thing. It's like one foot in tomorrow, not one foot in next month, I think. Love that. Thank you, mate. Listen, uh, as I knew it would be, it's been an absolutely brilliant conversation. So thank you. And uh, I want to finish with me quick fire questions as I have done on every episode. So um, before we wrap up, so one piece of advice that you give to your 18 year old self? Uh, the complete person doesn't exist. I think I used to try and measure myself by other people. And I think what I did was I would look at the version of themselves that they put out in the world. And so you would see people and I'd be like, oh, it's amazing, you know. They're, they're great at the written word. They're great at speaking. You know, they're, they're good looking. They're all these things. And, you know, that, that, that person's got it all. And I think the older I've got, the more I've realized that that just doesn't, that isn't a thing. I think everyone's got weaknesses and everything. Everyone's got strengths. And I think as an 18 year old, I was probably a little bit, um, 
intimidated by that. And I think there's there's some pieces there that I would, would give myself some advice to say, look, this isn't this isn't what it looks like, and you will find this out on your journey along the way, um, and and don't worry about that quite so much. <coughs> Love that. Love that. Who who's been the biggest inspiration throughout your life, and why? It's a really difficult question, this one, because I think I could have given a different answer at any moment in time. Um, and, you know, that's been everybody from, you know, amazing business leaders through to sports people through to anybody that has kind of helped me kind of get a bit along. But I think as it stands today, I don't, I don't have like a single source of inspiration. I've got like a lot of different streams of where it comes from, you know, whether that's through personal connection or whether that's through you know, me reading about kind of people or, or understanding them and their kind of motivations and where they go. But I think the thing I've really realized in, in recent years is that most of my inspiration comes from outside the area where I work at the moment. I don't get a ton of inspiration from within the brand and marketing space. I get a lot of inspiration from, you know, other people that have built amazing businesses, you know, that are a thousand times bigger and more successful than my one is. And and so I think that inspiration thing is has really changed the more I've gone on. And so think that's something I'm, I've been investigating a bit recently to understand that and try and kind of get my head around it really. Nice. nice. Um, could you recommend a book or a podcast to our listeners that has had an impact on you? Yeah, so there's a, an American author called Ryan Holiday who's written quite a lot of books, quite a lot of which are grounded in uh, stoicism, uh, which is a really interesting thing for me, which is something that I'm kind of I'm quite fascinated by and there's a kind of couple of pieces to it why I am but one book he wrote is is called Ego is the Enemy and it was a pretty interesting book for me to read it's one of those books I read at the right moment in time which was essentially the premise of the book is that don't let your ego rule all of your decision making um, and I think it's a really relevant book for a lot of people which is it's not about taking your ego completely out of the picture but it's about understanding the role that your ego does play in terms of the decisions that you make and for me, I think that's been a really fundamental thing at Koto is not always doing what's right for me or particularly in, in the past, my own creative uh, exploits or ability. And so that's, and you know, and I don't often go back and read books, but I've read that one twice. And so I think that's a pretty good recommendation for me. Fair play, fair play. And mate, finally, what is your run, one rule for living a fulfilled life? Uh, it's a pretty cliche, but for me, it's all about balance. I think you've just got to try and, maintain balance now do i get that seven days a week 365 days a year no i don't not even slightly but i think it's about trying to find you know have calm but also be active try and make sure that you're going after it and attacking it but that isn't your mode 24 7 be reflective be curious stand back you know be on be off all that kind of stuff and so for me i think that's my role for living a satisfied life is try and find that balance and and, and acknowledge the fact that there'll be many days where you fail at it What an absolutely brilliant way to finish, mate! Thank you so much. It's been uh, it's been great catching up with you, just in general. But what and just brilliant answers, a brilliant conversation, and and a great episode that I can't wait to share. Actually, we've we've gone live today, but I'll put this out and this 
so many learnings from there and i just it's been such an inspiration to watch watch the business grow i follow you on social media and see it grow over over the last seven years and i knew you'd absolutely smash it out of the park as you have done so i just wish you continued success and 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 growth and and a happy happy life mate and uh good times and listen it's you that sent me the, the link to the high performance podcast which started me on, on my podcast journey so i've got to thank you for that as well is this, is this point where I have to apologise to all your listeners? <laughs> Who put this guy on with the, the Essex twang we have to listen to for so long? Rubbish. Yeah. Absolutely legend. Mate, top man, thank you awesome. so Good much. Mate, I'll catch up with you Good soon. Bye. All the best. That's all right. Good bye. This. County Business Talks podcast, produced by H2 Productions.